Nothing wrong with having notes. Notes are encouraged, if anything. Okay. Shows you've done some prep. We like that. We like preparation. Perfect planning prevents pathetic performance, as my father would always say. Oh, it's a new one. Isn't it? No, it's not new, is it? I've never heard it before. Maybe he invented it. Doubt it. Always well planned, though, my dad. What is it? Prepare to... Um, fail to prepare. Uh, prepare to, to fail. fail. That's, that's another it. good I one. I like that one. one. Yeah, that's a good one as well. Mm-hmm. Anyway, hello, happy new year, and welcome to the Cunning Plan podcast. I am here with my good friend and colleague, Kate Pearson. Hi. P-R-O, that's like a pro, but for a PR, there's not really a term in no other part of the marketing mix. Is there like a special, special. term for a, for a professional person in that? No. There's not like a, a social media SEO pro. They don't do one of those, do they? I think... That's because people who work in PR are special. Yeah, they special are. Special breed. Yeah, they are a special breed. There's no no two ways about that. And we're here today to talk about PR. That's what we're talking about. That's why that's why Kate's here. Um, and um, I got my start in PR. You did. You did. We're now stripes together. Quite a lot of time in PR. So we thought it'd be fun. Fun, maybe it's relative, isn't it? We thought it would be interesting, at very least, to talk a bit about how PR has changed over the course of the last... How many years have we been doing this for That's now? Fifteen. That's quite a long time, isn't it? Maybe more. Maybe. Yeah, let's not. Seventeen. Let's not go into that in no. a huge amount of detail. A while, anyway. We've been, we've been doing, doing it, it for a while. I'm a bit a younger, longer. slightly younger than Kate. It's a bit um, older, so more experienced. Ever so slightly younger, but it's not. We don't like to talk about it or go into it or sort of really discuss it. No, let's discuss it. How much younger? It's, I don't know. It seems like there's a, a good amount of time where you're a year older. It's than about I am. twenty-eight days. Yeah. But it's long enough, anyway. Long enough to matter. But um, anyway, mm-hmm. worked in PR for a long time. Seen yeah. a lot of changes. Mm-hmm. Seen a lot of changes the way it's done, the way results are measured, the way, like, why you're even doing it in the first place. Yeah. First of all, everyone knows this, I'm sure, but for the sake of those that don't, PR, what's it all about? What's it all about? Yeah. <laughs> you can't say that. <laughs> That's an Alan Partridge thing, so it's not racist or, or xenophobic. I'll have to take that out. For Geordies. Um, well, PR. So PR. For, those, for those that don't know, PR, what's it all about? Well, I think um, it's about managing reputation. It's about generating publicity. Unlike other marketing, it's, it's free publicity, so it's not paid for. So it's high on the trust scale. It's sort of, um, yeah. It's coverage in media and magazines and also you like promoting somebody, a service or a product. Yeah, it's really... it's. It's more earned, I suppose, isn't it? In that respect, you can't yeah. you can't buy this coverage. It's, no, that's it, what makes it different. Yeah, harder. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, like definitely much harder to get PR coverage than it is. Yeah. You know that. I mean, that's kind of why I stopped doing pure PR and went to do other things because it's really I always found it very a challenging yeah. thing to do. But for the people that are good at it, and it's all about having relationships with journalists and. and yeah. getting those kind of things and so so when we when we started out just to sort of explain a little bit about how would you how would you go about getting a piece of coverage what were, what were you trying to achieve and how would you go about getting that well you'd try you'd come up with a story so you'd come up with a story idea and then you'd uh, write the story up and you'd be approaching journalists to get print primarily print coverage but also on tv and radio because believe it or not this is a time when like there wasn't much in the way of the internet like the internet existed of course but yeah the, you know the massive amount of online publications just didn't exist the national newspapers had online 
platforms, but they didn't have did it often they didn't have news on them, did they? No, and come for us. Um, when we work in consumer PR, you're trying to get coverage in um, places the consumers will see them. So that would be like national newspapers, magazines, obviously like daytime TV was a big goal. Um, you know, news on TV, radio, these are all places that you'd go for. So if it was a product, a brand new product, you'd be maybe promoting that. Maybe you'd go down to London and do some media visits. Oh yes, those media visits. I remember dragging cases of Lambrini around. Them were the days. Around London. Um, yeah, yeah, fun times. But um, good, like, but the truth is, like, really, really great way of getting, yeah. getting great coverage. You go down there, you spend a day, you go and make, you make a load of appointments, you'd see loads of people. Yeah, the journalists would come down, it was all in one place, and they'd, you know, and you would often get some good reviews or features or bits and pieces yeah. on the back of it. If you got an appointment with a journalist, you were fifty percent of the way there. If they actually turned up to that appointment and saw you on the day, <laughs> yeah. you were that step closer there. Eighty percent then. Yeah, definitely. And then like then it would be a follow up when you got back to the office. But most of the time that would that would result in coverage. So even though it was long drawn out making the appointments, going to London, spending that money, spending that time for that you know, really nice quality piece of coverage where the journalist is really bought into you. Not only is that a contact, but that is, yeah, something for the client. So it's good. Mm. And does that still work today, do you think? Or, you know, or is it, I mean, obviously the, the landscape is completely different now, isn't it? I think it's massively changed. When we first started, you wouldn't think anything about doing like an event or a press launch or going down to do media visits, you know, contacting a journalist and saying, should we meet for... Uh, a drink or a coffee and I'll tell you about this new thing that's happening and they'd be quite up for it but I think that's massively changed so journalists are depleted in numbers there's not as many of them they're re- they've to, the content they have to create is so much quicker turnaround they have to, the volume of stories they have to write is like I don't know it's something crazy like 50 times more a day than what they were doing probably more than that and so they can't leave their desk basically they're desk bound they want everything to come to them they really rely on PRs now more than ever to give them stories because they can't go out and get them so that has changed so I think media visits still do exist but I think it's much harder to get an appointment than in the old days and most people just want you to send them it Hmm. so in terms of what you're trying to you know we talked about getting coverage in the national newspapers and that's when we started out it was you know you had your major national newspapers, you had regional papers, you had magazines that you needed to plan six months yeah. ahead to try and get into. And that was kind of your whole lot. There wasn't a huge amount else to go at at that point. Whereas now, the landscape is infinite, I suppose, in terms of the number yeah. of different online publications and things like that. Before you even start on bloggers and influencers and all that kind of stuff. So what, from a PR point of view, what's changed in terms of what clients want from PR? I think essentially they still want the same thing. They want everyone to be talking about it. They still want publicity. I mean, getting something on this morning, for example, is still like the holy grail of PR. Like (laughs) everyone still wants that moment. But I do think that national newspapers, some clients will still want that because it's great to show people. But actually, in reality, not as many people are reading those. So people are much more likely to want to get something from a consumer perspective on the Daily Mail online because that's where everyone's looking on their commute to work. They're scrolling through. Um, and that's probably where people are looking to get coverage, you know, more than in the actual print, which has changed massively. And just the, there's more, just infinite the amount of places you can get coverage now from online publications to social media. And people are looking more about how many people have read the story, how many times that's been shared. So where before you could say, this has been in the sun and it's read by X amount of thousand people every day. Now you can actually see that a story has been read so many times been shared and that sort of um, 
that's much more credible, I think, for a client now. But they still want the national hits. Like, there's no getting away from that. Yeah. I think that's the thing, isn't it? There's kind of... It was always frustrating. You'd get the online coverage, but it's like, yeah, but did we get in the paper? Mm. And I think even now, like, even now when we do a campaign now, we put it out and we're like, yeah, we got this number of, you know, national online hits. Yeah. But you still think, oh, but I still want to get in the newspaper. It's still, even though we all know the reality is that the the paper's there. It's out today and it's gone tomorrow. Yeah. Whereas your online piece of coverage is going to stay there. That's going to be there for, you know, for okay. the foreseeable. It's probably got a link in it. It's way more likely to convert into an actual purchase. But... It's an education process, but it's just letting There's different types of clients now, though. There are clients that you're working with to help them get links, to help with it, to enhance their SEO. So they do actually just want online coverage. And I did have that with a client recently where we got something in print in the Daily Mirror and they they really weren't interested because they, they needed that link. They wanted that online thing. They wanted to be able to share the story. So they weren't interested. And I really did. That was a moment to think, God, how things have changed. Mm. But I think now with um, media coverage, people are expect you can amplify the news yourself a lot more. So if you do get coverage in a national newspaper 10 years ago, well, that would be it. And the next day you'd be having to think of a new story. Well, now you can amplify that yourself by sharing it, by creating some video content around it. So people will see the story, then they'll see it on social, then they'll see that a blogger has talked about it. And that story can be amplified over the over a period of a week rather than just next day news. Mm. Yeah, and if it doesn't make, it's kind of... It's not, that was always the danger, wasn't it? You put yeah. it out, come in the next morning, furiously rifling through papers to see if your story's oh in there. God, yeah. Very stressful. Sweaty moments. Very stressful mornings, those mornings when you come in, you've like, you put out a story there before, you think you've done enough, but you don't know until the next morning, because you know, who knows what could have happened and you know your stories just didn't make it. So you get in and just find out whether it's there or not, and it's just, yeah. And when, but if, when it is, then it, the feeling was mm, amazing. Good times when it's not bad times. Yeah. But now, like, if that, you know, in that, that happens, you've still got loads of options. I mean, you've still got loads yeah. of other places where you can potentially get that, you and, know, that Journalists chart. are not sort of ruling the roost in the same way that they used to. So where they were the gatekeeper for all media coverage, you had to rely on them for everything, you don't have to do that now. And that's really exciting for PRs. They can have a story and see it through through social media. And still, you need to rely on people engaging. If it's not a good story, it'll just be left. People won't engage with it. But you can use bloggers, influencers to get your story out, which the same rules don't really apply with them. So um, it gives PR people a lot more freedom and yeah, not relying on journalists. And on the flip side, journalists are relying on PRs a lot more. So people will have really good relationships with online journalists who just need a constant flow of content. And if you know what sort of content they need, which PR people do know that because they know what's newsworthy, then you're at a big advantage. Hmm. And I think that, you know, that, that's something from my point of view that really helped my grounding in PR before I went back into, you know, more into full service marketing and digital marketing, knowing what made a good story makes for better social media content, makes for better, you know, just makes everything you do better yeah. because you look at everything with that, like, no, that's not good enough. That promotion is not good enough. Yeah. That isn't, that wouldn't make you, you know, wouldn't make the national press, it wouldn't make a blog, don't put it out because it's not good enough. And yeah. I think that really helped me make sure that 
the stuff that we were putting out of clients was strong enough, even if it wasn't, even if we weren't trying to get PR coverage, we were just yeah. making sure that it was, you know, that it was good content. I think PR people as well are able to let go of the message a little bit more, where marketing people are very controlled, you know, they have a set message, this is what they want the ad to look like, and it's going to go out like that. But with social media, you do have much less control. As we do with PR, you can write a story, you can put the quotes in, but the journalist will always put his own spin on it. When you put something out on social, you might have an idea how you want it to go but really the fans the haters yeah. um, the influencers they're the ones that will actually determine that message and you need to be able to have a little bit of a hands off approach get involved if it all goes wrong and you need to like um, you know adapt to it but I think you know that's something that PR people are able to do they're not so like constrained by the party line mm. and I guess that's another another example of a thing that's changed a lot is that you know back in the olden days um, a big role of the, you know, of the PR was to like manage the relationship with a brand or something like that. So you'd ha- have to have those good relations with the journalist, so that if a journalist gets, you know, a bit of news about, you know, if we're looking after a venue in Manchester or something like that, they'd give you a call and say, hey, I just like I've got this news, mm-hmm. just want to run it by you. What do you think? And you try and, you know, you try, might try and kill the story. You might try and mm-hmm. tell, uh, try and get a more positive spin on it and everything like that. But I really relied on those really, really strong relationships yeah. with that journalist. Otherwise, you've got no, absolutely no chance. Whereas now it's a, it's an ongoing thing. Like you put out a story, you get a great, you could get a great story, but then you'll get a load of people saying negative things about that thing yeah. that you did. So then you've got to manage those people and communicate with them yeah. and everything. So it, it, it's a big difference, I think. And brands are really confident now of turning a bad situation into a good situation. So. Um, it's almost like an art form so if you get a complaint especially like a major supermarket or a big retailer that gets something and it's very quickly um, spreads on social media some brilliant reactions to that can actually turn it around and make something bad really really positive and work for the retailer so I think we're much more confident than say we were five years ago when people would maybe try and delete a comment mm. or hide from it or just not say anything it's almost like it's quite good to get something negative because you can bounce off the back of it and like still with PR, like traditional PR, you have to be open and honest and not lie. And if mm. you do all those sort of things, and um, then you know you should be okay and not worry about it. Mm. So we talked about um, measurement before as well. So how did we, you know, just sort of people who say PR, like it's all fluffy, willy nonsense. We're all just drinking champagne and oh. going to parties and doing, you know, flouncing around and all this kind of business. <laughs> That's I mean, that is what we used to do. Flounce. Flounce. You were great at I flouncing. I was a professional flouncer. Very yeah. strong. A strong flounce. Got quite a few promotions on the back of... Heavy flouncing. Mm. But no more. My flouncing days are no. behind me. But... You teach others how to flounce. I, yeah, I instruct in the art of the flounce. <laughs> flounce consultant. I thought it was the floss, actually. That's why I got confused. <laughs> I was actually way ahead of my time. I was doing the flounce. Yeah. I was like, kids, let's do it. I'll do the flounce. I can't do it. I can't learn how to do it. But anyway, so measurement, PR measurement. People think it's nonsense. You can't measure it. Mm-hmm. How do we used to do it? What was the, you know, what was the method? Um, advertising value equivalent, AVE, was oh, yes. what, what we used to use. So you'd measure... If you've got media coverage in a newspaper, you'd measure the column inches, how much that would have cost in advertising, then you turn times it by a million. <laughs> yeah, always times it by an arbitrary number, depending on who you're talking so to. So if it was if it was you paid for that, it would be this, but because yeah. it was because it's got the editorial endorsement, because 10, 20 people read every copy of every newspaper. Yeah, not just one person. So you times it, it by a zillion. Yeah. Quadruple it by three, divide it by ten. Don't divide it by anything, ever. No. 
and then you've got a big number. Yeah. So that's and that's your money there. Yeah. So you won a little piece of coverage, you've got your ten million pounds worth yeah. of So worth you spent five thousand pounds on the PR work that month, you got twenty that, million twenty million back. back. Good deal. Yeah. ROI. Yeah. Tick. Marketing tick box. Done. And if you got it on this morning, that's a trillion pounds. Yeah, that's at least a trillion pounds. <laughs> you don't pounds. even need to measure yeah. no. the time. No, there's no money in the world, no amount of money in the world that can buy that. No. Um, so I think, yeah, that some clients maybe got a bit suspicious of yeah. that method. It was a bit woolly, wasn't it? There was a bit of like, you know. It, it, yeah, and it's difficult. And sometimes the clients would see a spike in a certain product being sold, and that was amazing. But obviously... That's unlikely. With Tough PR. to tie those two things together. Whereas, yeah. so how's that changed? What's different now? I think obviously with the uh, with digital media, it's much easier to measure, especially with social media. The analytics involved, you can see how many people have read it, how they've used it, how they've shared it. Um, you know, positive reactions and negative reactions. You can count all of those. Um, so that's much easier. You can see online if a story like is on an online publication, you can see every time it's been shared and stuff like that. So it's much, much easier and to see if those stories have linked back to a website. So you could, depending on what the objectives are, um, most things are completely measurable and transparent now. So uh, as well as being a professional PR person, you also are a lecturer at uh, Sheffield University, aren't you? Sheffield University of... Sheffield Hallam. Sheffield Hallam University. University. So proving... That those that can do also can teach. Yeah. So anyone that says not that, sure. that's I'm not sure where you're going with that one. Well, I'm just saying that some people say that that people that can't do stuff go off and teach. You, on the other hand, that's not the case. Clearly, so proving I think we're getting ourselves into a into sticky a muddy, hole. Sticky mud here. <laughs> Maybe we won't do that. Maybe we'll skip this little bit. Yeah. So I'm an associate lecturer. Associate. That sounds Adam. pretty good. Yeah. It's what does that entail? Uh, well, I'm sort of a part-time lecturer, so they like the fact that I work in industry and go in and speak to the students, PR students, obviously. So PR, so I'm a PR student. These are how old are these these kids? Uh, they're undergraduates, so right. they're eighteen to 18 twenty-one years old. So what, like, what's making an eighteen to twenty-one year old kid at university thinking, yes, you know, PR? That's the business. That's the one for me. Are they thinking it's? They watched Abfab on Gold, <laughs> and they're thinking, yes, that's how it works. I don't think it's Abfab. I think influencers, bloggers, have a big part to play. So a lot of the girls that um, were in my recent class, they really wanted to work um, in fashion, do fashion blogging. Um, they're sort of the celebrity obsessed culture. I think has something to do with it, but not all of them. Like some of them want to be, like they want to work for a cause. So. Um, if they've been affected by something like the LGBT community, for example, or g gender issues or homophobia and things like that that affects them, they actually do want to, um, you know, change opinions and CPR as a way of doing that. So it's a bit of a balance of both, but I do think celebrity culture has made people want to work in PR. So that is that what people are expecting? So they're not... Uh, yeah, so it's that, but also what is the structure of the things you're talking to them about? Is it is it about getting coverage, or is it really actually about engaging with influencers and more social network, you know, social networking and those kind of things? No, the the course itself still is uh, heavily focused on traditional PR and about how to write a good story, working with journalists, um, but then. They do, I've been teaching the digital PR module and that is all about social media and um, coming up with stories and dealing with that and that's really good and you know there's no real theory behind that that is all you know talking about practical examples and looking at examples that exist out there good and bad um, so that's interesting but I think the course itself 
still talks about all those fundamentals about what the media is they also do now a lot of editing so they learn how to edit videos from smartphones yeah, so content is a big part of it whether you know whether they're doing the digital module or not yeah. I, I actually think it's a really good course that they've put together because I think in the past they were out of date by the time they'd completed them yeah where now they've got a nice mix I think that's something that certainly you know from the other some of the other podcasts go back and listen to them if you haven't listened to them previously they but they're good they're good I mean, you will of course they will what a you know, both of our listeners have listened to <laughs> have listened to all of these things. But if you haven't, well worth it to you know we chatted to the guys from MMU, some of the students, and it does it definitely feels to me like there is a move away from this very theoretical form of teaching where it's like yeah. this is how the marketing books say you're supposed to do these things, and you know, and like you said, the people that are graduating really aren't ready for the workplace. But yet these courses are bringing people like you, real people that work in the industry that have experience that can give real world examples and case studies and things like that so that when they come out they actually have a you know they've got real practical skills that people can use and you know can take to work with them from an agency point of view i don't think you can get until you've worked in an agency you know there's just you can't prepare for it that's a bit like your first year in an agency you will learn so much but if you arrive at an agency or an in-house position with uh, knowing what a story is, knowing what makes, knowing what different types of media are out there, having some uh, concept of social media and interest and passion for it, then you're at a really good start. So I think, you know, although it's great to do work experience and get some practical skills, it's hard to teach what agency life is mm. unless you're actually doing it. So what's next, I guess, is the thing. So these, they're going to be coming out of University of in a, you know, a couple of years' time, or even some of them now. What's the future of PR looking like for them? Well, obviously digital is going to be a huge part of it, more so, and they're going to have to really nail this sort of compelling content side of things. So there's, I think there'll be a real merging between like journalism and PR, working together, working closely, and maybe people doing both sides of the job. So that's going to be really important. This sort of relationship with bloggers and influencers is going to become more important influencers are going to become more influential so they need to get a grip on that and develop those relationships spot people as they're on the rise as well and and have a good relationship with them so another thing for the future i think for people going into pr is going to be about like ai and artificial intelligence and hopefully that doesn't nothing to be feared in the pr world i think it's actually a lot more automated stuff is going to help pr people so where we used to have to scroll through a massive list of Gorkana, you know, uh, contacts, media database contacts that, you know, half of them had left or whatever, yeah. or were dead. Um, you know, I think more, more streamlined, automated, more automated measurement, things like this for PR will actually make life easier. So they'll be able to be more on emphasis on the human element, which is creativity, and the more um, mundane jobs in PR will become more automated, I predict. So it may be harder for junior staff to maybe cut their teeth. They're going to be like right in the deep end. Mm. So they're going to have to start with yeah some concept of how to create good content. And Alexa selling in, that's the dream. Isn't no, it? you see, I think that's what we don't need to fear. What selling? Because in? you can't. Some things cannot be replaced in PR by machines. No. Yeah. Well, it's, that's what you're selling a story, aren't you? Then yeah. that's something that people, you know, the journalists buy from people. Just so finally, talking a bit about influencers, we've talked loads about influencers and things like that on here. But from a you know from a PR working closely with journalists, I do feel like there's a real there's a real sort of divide between the old guard of journalists. This is you know, these still could be people that worked. You know, a lot of these people are 
that are now influencers were people that started out as journalists mm -hmm. and were working on magazines or working on online publications or things like that. But then you've got this other generation of people that are just you know Twitch streamers or people that play Minecraft whilst other people watch them, and yeah. they're almost getting this similar level of of power. And they have no you know you know I'm not saying they don't I'm not saying they don't have any ethics, but they're not bound by the same no. sort of code of ethics that a journalist is. They're you know is you know it's getting better, but it's the wild west out there in terms of what people you know who knows what things are being paid for, mm. what things aren't being paid for. What what do you think the solution to that is? I suppose that in terms of how you get a, a more fair and honest balance of you know the, that sort of the integrity of a journalist or someone that really is writing a an unbiased review of a thing mm -hmm. versus the people that are you know being paid to say hey I really love this phone or you know whatever else something definitely yeah if they're going to demand the same credibility as journalists then. Um there does have to be a different structure because at the moment bloggers, professional bloggers, want to be paid for every activity they do, but therefore, like you say, it's uh, it's biased because you know they're not going to write a bad review on something that they've been paid to do. So it is difficult. Journalist um, bloggers, sorry, do have to say if they've been paid now and if it's an ad, and that doesn't seem to affect its impact. Strangely enough, so people still believe it is about getting the word out there. Mm. But yeah, I do feel like there's going to have to be some sort of change. If, if they're going to keep that sort of credibility. But I think the emphasis is going to be much more on long-term relationships with bloggers and influencers so that it does feel more natural. But yeah, it's, it's, it's what, ha what is the future for bloggers that is um, interesting mm. because there's so many of them. It doesn't seem like the world can support this number of Instagram influencers. Yeah. There's just so many of them. It doesn't, you know, at some point... I can only listen to you know X number of podcasts. It can't my you know my time cannot support any more. So yeah. you can't yeah. I just it just seems to me like there's just so many that at some point there'll be a crash and all these people will not be able to make a living doing no. you know doing just this. Hopefully the quality will just get so much better. Like you know that the, the because of the heightened competition that only the really good ones will survive. Well, on that note. Not thank you thank you Kate um, <laughs> it's been a pleasure this has been no, I think it's been really interesting I hope it has been interesting to you uh, the viewer or the listener thank you for joining us happy new year again to everyone um, thanks for coming back this year we're going to be changing up the way we do the podcast a little bit um, we're going to be having yeah shaking it up shake we're up. shaking up the scene that's what we do <laughs> that's what we're going to shake it's up the, shake up the northwest scene of podcasting um, so we're going to be doing um, different themes each month we have a different guest every week so hopefully it's going to create some interesting different subjects and things like that if there's something that you want us to talk about uh, by all means let us know that would be lovely we'd love that um, a postcard send us a postcard uh, you know <coughs> drop, it through, drop it through the door tweet us um, send us a, an Instagram or something like that <laughs> whatever, whatever you want whatever you want um, facts <laughs> yeah send us a fax like that, that was the olden days did you ever fax a press release? Yeah. That's, you are old. In my first ever job in 2000. I never, I mean, I didn't work in PR in 2000. I was horsing about doing something else. I don't know what, mm. but uh, anyway. <laughs> anyway, thank you. Sorry for that final ramble. We are finished now. You may be on your way. Uh, until next time. Goodbye. Take care of yourselves. <laughs>